theme today is the God who sees, and Debbie is preaching uh, on a couple of passages from the book of Genesis. And uh, we, as we look at that uh, passage, those passages, and, and think about that, we're continuing to think about uh, what does God have for us this year? Uh, what is on God's heart for us as we serve him as his people at this time? So let's be quiet for a moment. And remember, we are in the presence of Almighty God. So let's just be quiet for a moment. And so, as we remember, we are in God's presence and we are here to worship him. We're going to be led in song and Sue's going to lead us in our first hymn. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder do stand to sing. To be seated. <clears throat> uh, 
And so we come into the presence of Almighty God as we are, yet knowing that he is holy and righteous and true. And so we're going to, first of all, pray the prayer of preparation, and then we're going to <coughs> say a confession uh, which I will lead us through. So we pray the prayer of preparation together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we're going to uh, have a confession now and uh, there'll be some uh, words of response on the screen behind me. God pours blessings upon us even as we choose to go our own way. God is present and seeks to bring healing and wholeness to all. Therefore, I invite you to confess all that would separate you from God or one another. So let us pray. When we have fashioned idols of our own desire or worship the temples of our own tradition, Lord, have mercy. When we have denied your invitation to the banquet of love, <clears throat> the banquet of love and justice, or failed to extend the invitation to others, Christ have mercy. When we have adorned ourselves with worry rather than joy, or failed to be gentle knowing that you are near, Lord, have mercy. Praise be to God. Our sins are forgiven. God's steadfast love endures forever. Praise God. And so again, we're going to sing to our gracious and forgiving God. Uh, a song that we sang a couple of weeks ago, uh, a new song perhaps to all of us, but uh, a song that we have sung before. It's the song, Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. So let's stand to sing as we prepare for our Bible reading. Do stand to sing.
to be seated. <clears throat> and Ingrid is going to bring our Bible reading and then Debbie will be preaching to us. The reading is taken from Genesis chapter 29, starting to read at verse 14. After Jacob had stayed with Laban for a whole month, Laban said to him, just because you are a relative of mine, should you work for me for nothing? Tell me what your wages should be. Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was, one was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. <coughs> Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. Stay here with me. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife. My time is completed, and I want to make love to her. So Laban brought together all the people of the place and gave a feast. But when evening came, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob, and Jacob made love to her. And Laban gave his servant Zilpah to his daughter as her attendant. When morning came, there was Leah. So Jacob said to Laban, What is this you have done to me? I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? Laban replied, It is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the elder one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. And Jacob did so. He finished the week with Leah, and then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Laban gave his servant Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her attendant. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. And he worked for Laban another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, 
Because the Lord heard that I'm not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last, because I have borne him three sons, my, my husband will become attached to me. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I will praise the Lord. So he, she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. Now it's continued, <clears throat> chapter 49, beginning to read at verse 29. There we are. Then Jacob gave them these instructions. I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. The cave in the field of Machpelah, near Mamre and Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave in it were bought from the Hittites. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. This is the word of the Lord. pray for Debbie, shall we? Father, we ask that you uh, would speak powerfully through Debbie uh, now and thank you for her prayer and preparation that she's put into this. Uh, bless her, bless us as we hear and may we, as we hear, obey in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Ingrid. Very well read. There were some difficult words in that last bit particularly, weren't there? Weren't there? So, Thank you for that. And good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you, whether you're worshipping with us here or whether you're listening and watching at home. So quite a while back now, um, Peter mentioned to me about this Sunday, and he said, would I like to preach on it? And he said to me, you can choose whatever passage you want to speak on, because it's a standalone Sunday. So initially, I thought, oh, that's, that's exciting. I like the sound of that. But then as it came nearer, it started to feel really challenging. I thought, what am I going to choose? How do I choose? What is God wanting to say to us at this point? What's he been saying to me? How's he been changing me? And what is he wanting me to, to share with you today? So I thought the best thing to do was to ask him, so um, about three weeks ago, I sort of started to think about it and to talk to him about it and to try and discern. And various passages and scriptures came to mind. Should I speak on one of my favorite psalms? Should I speak on something from Isaiah? 
Um, Esther came to mind, but that one was already taken. John spoke um, really powerfully on that one last week. But as I pondered and asked God to show me, the person who stuck in my mind was, was Leah. And um, I began to remember an amazing chapter I'd read some time ago in this book. I don't know if you can, if you can see that. But in this book by Francis Frangipan, there's an amazing chapter that focuses on Leah that had a very big impact on me. Um, at the time and subsequently. And then when Ursula preached a couple of weeks back um, on the verses from Jeremiah 29:30, sorry, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 13 and 14, um, those verses, I don't know if you remember, say this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And as you can see, as a quite remarkable coincidence, this book is called And I Will Be Found by You. So I thought, okay, I think um, God might be confirming this to me. And what an amazing promise that is. I will be found by you. So I decided to go with the passages we've heard read to us this morning and speak about the God who sees. I don't think I've ever actually heard a sermon preached on Leah before, so it felt a little daunting and a little exciting to be embarking on this journey. But as I've done so, I do believe that there are some nuggets of gold that we can discover about God's character and the way he relates to us from looking a little deeper into Leah and her story. So that's what we're going to do for a, a short while this morning. So um, let's just set this passage in a bit of context. It was quite a long reading, wasn't it? But as you, excuse me, as you probably know, um, prior to this, Jacob has stolen his elder brother Esau's birthright and flees for his life to his mother's brother, Laban, in Padan Aram. And that's where the reading, um, that's where Jacob is in the reading that we've just had. On the way, Jacob encounters God in a powerful dream. And then on reaching Padan Aram, he immediately falls in love with Rachel, as we read about in the passage we've just heard. Now this time, it's Jacob who's deceived when he's tricked by Laban into marrying and sleeping with his elder daughter Leah, who is described as having weak or delicate eyes, whereas Rachel had a lovely figure and was beautiful. So as we heard, Jacob is rather surprised and rather unimpressed by this, but subsequent subsequently agrees to work for Laban for another seven years for Rachel's hand. So Laban, so Jacob now has two wives, sisters Rachel, who he loves, and Leah, who is unloved. Then comes the part of the passage that my talk takes its title from. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to conceive. And so for the remainder of this passage, Rachel remains childless while Leah conceives four sons. 
when the Lord saw. It's a tiny little phrase in a much bigger story, but I feel it has huge significance. God is the God who sees. He sees us when we suffer. He sees us when we are overlooked and unloved. He sees us when others seem not to notice or care about us. He sees us when we feel not good enough. He knows our disappointments and our unfulfilled dreams and longings, and he cares and he draws near to us. There is another point in the Bible where this aspect of being seen, being noticed, comes out very powerfully, and that's in the life of Hagar. If we uh, were to turn back to Genesis 16, we see that Hagar, an Egyptian slave, mistreated by her mistress Sarah, runs away. And while she's in the desert, Hagar encounters an angel of the Lord. You see, God doesn't turn his back on her and discount her. He doesn't just concentrate on Abraham and Sarah, who we might very well see as the important ones. No, the Lord seeks Hagar out when she runs away and sends his angel to speak with her and makes her a promise about the child she is carrying. And interestingly, in response to the angel's message, Hagar says this, You are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. She may be overlooked and mistreated by Sarah, but she isn't by God. He is the God who sees and who cares. And that gives Hagar the confidence to return and to bear Abraham's son Ishmael, who became the founder of a great nation. God sees Leah and Hagar, and he sees us. And so my first point under the heading, The God Who Sees, is this one, that God draws near to those who are overlooked and who are hurting. People like Leah and Hagar and people like us. Francis Frangipan, in the chapter I referred to earlier, says this, We must understand this about the nature of God. The Lord is drawn to those who hurt. In the same way as water descends to fill that which is lowest first, so Christ reaches to the afflicted to fill them and to comfort them. You see, the Lord saw that Leah was unloved. He saw her pain, her loneliness, her rejection and her heartache, and he reached out to her and he blessed her. And he's the very same God who sees us too. I remember um, about four or five years ago now, um, the really transformative effect it had on me when I began to realise on a deep heartfelt level that God saw what I'd been going through as a child growing up. And I think that was the same sort of time as I I came across this book. Now, it wasn't all bad. I have some very happy um, memories of, of my childhood too. But there was a real emotional loneliness that was hard to cope with. And since becoming a Christian, whilst I would have always said that I knew God was there with me, 
The revelation that he saw, he knew, that he understood, made a massive difference in my ability to make peace with my past and to move forward. In all those times where I'd sat as a little girl and, and as a teenager, actually, in the corner of my bedroom, feeling overlooked, lonely and misunderstood, God saw me, not as a distant onlooker, but as Emmanuel, God with me. And several times, as I was going through some counselling following my mum's death, God gave me a picture of Jesus in the room with me in my times of distress. And I could see him with eyes full of compassion, sitting there with me, giving me his total love and full attention and, in, and inviting me to draw close to him. Now the ache I felt inside and the longing to be seen and to matter that I'd always felt right into adult life still surfaces in me from time to time and it still hurts but when it does I remind myself that Jesus sees me. He is always giving me his full attention. I matter to him and of course the same is true for you. God draws near to those who are hurting and overlooked. He sees and he cares about what we've been through in the past and what we might be going through right now. So I'm just going to pause here just for a moment and I'm going to ask you to just, just close your eyes and there might be a, a situation now or perhaps a situation in the past where you might have felt some of those things. You might have felt or be feeling hurt or rejection or grief or disappointment. So what I'd, what I'd ask you to do just for a moment is to just close your eyes Picture yourself in that situation and then, if you can, picture Jesus there with you. And what I'd advise you to do is to, um, if you'd like to, to continue to do that at home when there's quiet and there's more time. Maybe try asking him if there's anything he wants to say to you. Notice how he's looking at you. Is there anything that you would like to say to him? Maybe it's just enough to know that Jesus sees and he understands. The second point I want to make about the God he sees is that God doesn't just see what's on the outside. God sees our heart. That's the message we see, isn't it, throughout the pages of the Bible in the people that God chooses. And David is, of course, the example that stands out and where God actually says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, the Lord does not look at the things people look at, People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I think we see this borne out in Leah's story too. 
Rachel is described as being outwardly beautiful and with a fine figure, whilst Leah is described as having weak eyes or in some translations as ordinary or plain. Maybe she was partially blind, maybe she had a squint, who knows? But I do think that what is clear as we read Leah's story is that she had a strong and tender heart and that she didn't give up or lose hope. She was a faithful wife to Jacob, despite not being loved by him, and she was faithful to God too. She realised that her sons were a blessing from God, and she named them accordingly. If we reread that, that little bit of the passage, it says, She, Leah, named him Reuben, which means see a son. For she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon, who means one who hears. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi, which means bond. Now it's noticeable that Leah's primary longing through each of those three pregnancies and um, when she has those three sons is that her husband will love her, which is a point we'll come back to in just a minute. But despite that, she faithfully brings her children up to be the leaders of the tribes of Israel and God honours her. It is in fact her fourth son, Judah, not one of Rachel's sons who appears in the genealogy of Jesus. So she may not have been Jacob's first choice as a wife, but she was God's first choice to play a part in the birth of the saviour of the world. And that's a pretty amazing role to be given, I think you'll agree. So Leah was chosen and honoured by God. Also, interestingly, at the end of Jacob's life, we see that Leah was honoured by Jacob too. I don't know if you noticed, but it was Leah who was buried alongside Abraham, Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah in the ancestral place of honour. Hence why I asked for the verses from chapter 49 to be read as well. In fact, it is she, not Rachel, who is buried alongside her husband Jacob. This suggests that perhaps Jacob did eventually come to love and to respect Leah. Perhaps he began to see an inner beauty that she possessed. So let's pay attention to our own hearts. Let's not be discouraged if outwardly we don't seem to measure up or are overlooked. Let's not give in to feelings of not being good enough to be chosen by God. Like Leah, we are always God's first choice to live out the plans that he has for us. Recently in a quiz, I heard this quote by Oscar Wilde, and it's one that stuck in my mind this last couple of weeks. He said, be yourself, everyone else is taken. God wants us to be ourselves, not to try and measure up to other people's standards. God looks on the heart and chooses those with hearts that are open and who realise their need of him.
And so the final point I want to make is that God not only sees Leah, but crucially, he helps her to see him. Leah grows to see that true satisfaction only comes from knowing God and being loved by him, which brings us back to the passage that Ursula preached on from Jeremiah. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And so as Leah becomes pregnant for a fourth time, what Francis Frangipan describes as a miracle of grace occurs within her. When she gives birth this time, she declares, this time I will praise the Lord. It seems that Leah becomes less focused on trying to get her husband to love her and more focused on loving God. There is no indication that Leah's circumstances had changed, but she had it would seem that she had learnt the hard lesson that none of us can make someone love us through trying to please them. I found that a difficult, long and painful lesson to learn and perhaps it's one you've had to learn too. Frangiopan says that Leah became a true worshipper. She began to focus her attention on pleasing God. The only one who loves us perfectly and unconditionally. And as Leah found her fulfilment in God, perhaps she allowed him to begin to heal her from some of the insecurities, jealousies, and heartaches that had characterized her life up to that point. And of course, that is what God wants to do in each of us too, if we'll let him. The following chapters of Genesis, if you read on, show that it wasn't all plain sailing for Leah. She slips back at times into old patterns of behaving, just as we often do. But God didn't give up on her. He continued to bless her, and she continued to choose to praise him. And I don't think it's any coincidence that Leah named her fourth son Judah, which means praise. And I don't think it was coincidence either that it's this son, Judah, who is in the line that leads directly to Jesus. This time I will praise the Lord, Leah declared. And in time, I don't think it's overstretching our imaginations to think that Jacob did eventually come to love Leah. That after Leah found fulfilment in God, God gave her fulfilment in Jacob. Perhaps Leah began to develop an inner peace and spiritual beauty that came from knowing that she was loved by God. And perhaps over time, these things shone out so brightly that they melted Jacob's heart towards her, hence why she was buried in the ancestral place of honour. Psalm 37 verse 4 reads, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, how often I think I can get that verse back to front. Frangipan says God is, concerned with, God is concerned with fulfilling our desires, but to do so he must first pry our fingers off our lives and turn our hearts towards him. God needs to become first in our hearts as he became for Leah. This time I will praise the Lord, declared Leah. So as I close it, a challenge, what are, 
What are the situations that I face, that you face, where we need to declare over them, this time I will praise the Lord? What are our longings and disappointments? What are we striving to achieve? Who are we focusing on pleasing? God isn't asking us to deny their existence or their importance in our lives. Leah still cared about Jacob and hoped that he would grow to love her. But as with Leah, God is asking us to seek after him first and foremost. It isn't easy, is it? It's a daily decision and a lifelong journey to choose to praise him no matter what the circumstances. For me, it helps to know that I'm choosing to praise the God who sees me, who feels my pain, who knows and understands me in no in, in, sorry, who knows and understands me in a way no human being on the planet can. The God who paid it all so that I can know I am loved by him. So can I encourage you to choose to praise the Lord even when things are tough? Our longings remain unfulfilled and our prayers don't seem to be answered. As a church, let's continue to choose to praise him through these difficult times and let's keep these verses from Jeremiah at the forefront of all we are and all we do. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. That's an awesome promise. And it's not a maybe, it's a certainty. Almighty God, the one who sees, has declared it to be true. Amen. Thank you, Debbie, so much. There's a lot there, isn't there, to dwell on and reflect on and uh, be praying in soon the next few days. So thank you, Debbie. As a, a way of doing that uh, straight away, uh, we're going to have a song from YouTube that we'll uh, listen to or sing along to if you want to. That's a well-known song. It's Blessed Be Your Name. And it speaks in the song of life not always being uh, plain sailing. So let's have this song, shall we? Thank you. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams are
So as we are in the presence of the God who sees, we're going to come before him in prayer and lift our intercessions to him. And so I will lead us in some prayers. And it's the familiar refrain, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. So let us pray. Merciful God, in love you created us. And in love you sustain us day by day. So with confidence we come in prayer to you. Knowing that you will hear. And knowing that you will respond. Father we thank you that you are the God who sees. You are the God who sees us as we are. And even though you see us as we are, you choose to use us. You choose us to fulfill your plans. You choose us even on the outside we may look nothing that extraordinary. But you choose us because you are an extraordinary God. Lord, we thank you that you see us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who are struggling, perhaps with spouse, perhaps with family, perhaps with friends or neighbours. Praying for those who find it difficult to forgive past wrongs done to them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who for years have carried feelings of guilt or regret for something they did or something that they neglected to do. Perhaps finding it difficult to ask for forgiveness or to forgive themselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those who find themselves far away from you, struggling to overcome their doubts or disillusionment, and who wonder how to find their way back to you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those watching someone they love try to cope with serious illness or injury and who long for your miraculous and divine intervention. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
We pray for the many others in our world who are suffering this day from grief or loneliness, hunger, poverty, violence or illness. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. <coughs> Father, sustain all those who look to you in hope and strengthen us, your people, so that we may be a light to all those who find themselves in darkness. Praying all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Amen. Before we come to communion, we're going to share the peace with each other. Jesus Christ has won for us by dying on the cross and bringing us to his peace. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. And also with you. Do share his peace. We're going to use Eucharistic Prayer B. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, we give you thanks and praise through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your living word through whom you have created all things, who is sent by you in your great goodness to be our Saviour. By the power of the Holy Spirit he took flesh. As your Son, born of the Blessed Virgin, he lived on earth and went about among us. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross. He put an end to death by dying for us and revealed the resurrection by rising to new life. So he fulfilled your will and won for you a holy people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, you are holy indeed, the source of all holiness. Granted by the power of your Holy Spirit and according to your holy will, 
these gifts of bread and wine may be to us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And so, Father, calling to mind his death on the cross, his perfect sacrifice made once for the sins of the whole world, rejoicing in his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension and looking for his coming in glory, we celebrate this memorial of our redemption as we offer you this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We bring before you this bread and this cup and we thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Send the Holy Spirit on your people and gather into one in your kingdom all who share this one bread and this cup so that we in the company of all the saints may praise and glorify you forever through Jesus Christ our Lord, by whom and with whom and in whom, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honour and glory be yours, almighty Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour has taught us, so we have confidence to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break the spread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
the body of Christ keep you in eternal life. Amen. The blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. And so we're going to pray this prayer together following communion. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gates of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. So we're going to sing our final hymn, which summarizes, I think, much of what we've been thinking about this morning, that Christ uh, is Lord of all. He is the one who sees us. He is the one who sees our hearts. Crown him with many crowns. Let's stand to sing together.
So go from here as witnesses of what you have seen and heard. Share God's love with those you meet. Bring hope to those who are in despair. Live lives of gratitude and praise. And may the love of God, the peace of Jesus Christ, and the ongoing presence of the Holy Spirit be within you and among you until we meet again. Amen. So go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.